0: This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is a bonus episode of ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. And welcome to The Obsessive Viewer, where we're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show, each episode. You can find back episodes at ovpodcast.com, find the blog at obsessiveviewer.com, and you can also subscribe to the subreddit at r slash obsessiveviewer. And if you want to help support the podcast, go to patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer, or you can simply leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps us out a ton. And this week on the podcast, this is a special bonus episode. Devoted to Season 6 of Game of Thrones, which just completed its run um, as of this recording last Sunday night on my 30th birthday. Just throwing it out there. Uh Tiny, how's it going? <laughs> it's going well. Good, good. So, yeah, so the season ended, and just so everyone knows, this is going to be a totally spoiler-heavy episode. Uh, devoted to talking all about Game of Thrones Season 6. We're going to spoil the entire season and past seasons, so... If you're listening to this in the future or whatever, like after the show's ended, uh, don't worry, because we know nothing about what happens in seasons seven, eight, however many they go. I think it's going to be two more. But yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So we're going to talk season six. Tiny, how are you doing, I guess? Um, you know, are you ready for this? I'm not. I mean, oh, okay. there's
1: just so much to to cover
0: and talk about do you want to reschedule it or? <laughs> yeah i'll be back later oh okay <laughs> <laughs>
1: no um, i'm kidding i'm ready i'm actually anxious to talk about it um, me too because game of thrones yo.
0: Mm-hmm. yes and we haven't really discussed anything about the finale or anything about the last like even half of a season really uh, yeah ourselves together so this is going to be a fun discussion um but before we actually get started on our actual review of season six I just want to take a moment to kind of reflect on our history with the series at, at this point or up to this point. And, uh, like in the past on, on the podcast, we've talked about, I'm sure we've talked about Game of Thrones on several potpourri sections of the podcast. Um, which if you're just tuning in for the Game of Thrones episode, potpourri is a section of our normal episodes of the podcast where we talk about whatever we want. Um, like anything we're watching or whatever. Um, so in in the past, we've talked about, We reviewed season three of Game of Thrones, which I, that was our third episode of the entire podcast. Mm -hmm. And I haven't listened to it since last year. And I don't know, something about it. I'm, I'm nervous to go back and listen to that because it's one of our earlier ones. And it's like season three of Game of Thrones. And I get, I got the intense impression. Or at least in my memory of it, I feel like I did not understand what the show was at that time. <laughs> so a lot of the things in it was was uh, very inaccurate. But
1: I remember that episode actually. Yeah. Pretty well. I think it was. It was. Um, we really started to find our groove then.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I remember I burned it onto a CD and we listened to it.
1: Yeah. On the way somewhere. I remember. Yeah, we did.
0: Yeah, that was oh fun. Oh, my gosh. Um, anyway. <laughs> we were both very single at the time. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, and then we've also, if you want to jump to a couple other episodes, um, episode 107 of the podcast, in our Potpourri section, we talked about uh, the Sansa rape controversy in the middle of season five of the series. Right. Right. And then finally, if you want to talk, you want to hear us talk about season five as a whole. Go back and listen to OV one sixteen, um, and if you don't want to go back and listen to it or want a refresher, here's what we thought of season five. Um, Tiny, would you? What was? What were your thoughts on season five as a whole? Have you revisited it since we've discussed it on the podcast? I have not revisited it, uh, but I remember when we talked about it
1: last year. I I kept repeatedly using a word, and that word was toil. Yes. Because so many of the characters were just in a rut. They were just stuck, like, developmentally, anyways, or, mm-hmm. or like, the story it was just in a rut the whole season, like, just hardly anything happened. It was all, all of the action and the quote unquote progress, mm-hmm. uh, was, was all just, it was just baby steps at most. Or, totally. or it was just, it was all just lateral, lateral progress, mm-hmm. uh, which you could argue isn't progress at all. So I was really frustrated last season, and the the finale was not very finite uh, right. or final. Um, mm-hmm. It it just didn't feel good, and last year was just a last year was a stepping stone between season four and six. Basically, yeah. it really was not very good.
0: Oh yeah, and it came off of season five. I I agree. Like that season was not good for me. It just wasn't a good experience overall. Watching it, I liked elements of it, and I enjoyed. Um, certain aspects of it that, but I don't know. Like you said, a lot of it was just meandering through these boring plots and not doing anything with any of the characters, um, particularly in Marine with Danny and um, all the Dorn stuff was like. Even I feel like I was kind of a. I wouldn't say I championed it, but I was in. I was intrigued by the Dornish stuff after season four, having Oberyn Martell and having the introduction of basically the Dornish people in the show at that point, essentially. And I was intrigued with what they were going to do. They sent Jamie and Braun there last season, and it still didn't do much of anything for me. It was still really disappointing. So overall, the season was disappointing, and I I was very vocal about how, how let down I was by the finale, especially with Jon Snow getting stabbed. Like, I thought... Like I did not believe for a single second that he would stay dead throughout the entire throughout the rest of the run. I knew he was going to come back, and I thought that it it wasn't like a oh oh my god I'm such a fan of Jon Snow I I want him to come back so much that I'm gonna that I'm going to say with absolute purpose that yes he's going to come back. It was no there's no one else of interest at Castle Black. The storytelling is is uh. The 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 only way to really uh, make us care about that plot line and those characters there is to bring back Jon Snow. His character, his arc, clearly isn't finished yet. Um, there's still much more to to find out about him. His his death didn't have the impact that other major character deaths did. And then all this was amplified by the. And then I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent here and a bit of a, a bit of a rant. But all of this kind of culminated with me with all of the incessant internet um, detective work and the internet um, um, fervor for um, like Kid Harrington hair watch like there yeah. was everyone was so interested in like oh is kid Harrington Haring- going to be in in season six of Game of Thrones does that mean he's gonna be alive it's like okay there it comes to a point where you know just wait for the show to come back right like i like and i understand that's the culture we're in that's the p that's that's the nature of the entertainment industry now really that everything is online and you can suss out as many details as you want on a production but it's like okay it reaches a point where you know some of us don't either don't really care not so much don't care but it's like maybe if some people were maybe if some people were gripped by the Jon Snow death scene and they thought like, Oh my God, Jon Snow's dead. Like, you know, um, maybe cool it with the whole, like, Oh, he's on a plane and he's going to like where they shoot it. That means he's going to be back. And Oh, he cut it. He trimmed his hair for a role. And I think we were even a little bit guilty of this in the, in last year's episode, but I also kind of talked a little bit about how I was annoyed by it, but it's just like it. I don't know. I think my frustration comes from, I don't understand how someone can go into a show and like have all of this knowledge about it from like okay well this this screenshot from this promo shows these two characters talking and that must mean that this is going to happen in this episode i just don't see how that can make for compelling television if you go in and have all of these expectations from all of this material and interviews and things like that, it's just, it seems like it would just spoil the experience and it was so frustrating for me to basically see all of these, all of these, all of these posts and articles saying like, well, Kit Harrington said this or, or Amelia Clark said this, like Amelia Clark said that, um, the writers don't tell, haven't said anything to her about whether or not John Snow's dead for real or not because they can't trust her and it's like okay well this means that this is that this is what it means and she said that there's a 50 50 chance so does that mean she knows something it's like no she just said that i said all this last year but anyway i just wanted to voice my um annoyance with that but the actual season holy crap i am rambling so much on my soapbox but the actual season was lackluster for me um there were some interesting things i i I feel like, and I haven't, I haven't rewatched it since last season. I did buy the Blu-ray, but I haven't rewatched it since it aired. Actually, after this finale, I went back and dug out my season one Blu-ray and I started rewatching season one. So I'm hoping that, you know, by the time season seven rolls around, maybe I'll have the entire series rewatched by then. Um, that shouldn't be too hard. Um, so I'll eventually get to season five, but the one thing that I remember not liking was that it's, the Sons of the Harpy and Marine and the High Sparrow and and the Sparrows or whatever in King's Landing, like those plot threads just kind of popped up out of nowhere to me. And it seemed like I didn't really grasp what the deal was with them and what they, what was happening um, to the society of um, King's Landing and Marine. I didn't grasp that. And that was probably my shortcomings as a viewer. And I'm, just all that's to say I'm looking forward to rewatching season 5 to get a fresh take on it when I'm not watching it week to week and I can have more fuller knowledge of it. So anyway, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of season 5 and I wasn't eager about the start of season 6 because I knew that the Jon Snow um resurrection was coming cuz you know, basic storytelling. Right. <laughs> um so yeah, so that was where I was going into season six. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> me too. Yeah, I,
1: I wasn't excited for mm-hmm. Game of Thrones to pick back up either. Um, mm-hmm. thankfully the season gripped me, and I was bummed every like Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday when I hadn't watched it yet, and right, I wanted to get it watched. Um, mainly because of spoilers, but mm-hmm. but yeah, season five was just a bummer. It it I I didn't I didn't uh. Enjoy all of the speculation about Jon Snow because I was in the same boat as you. I was like, he's coming back. Like it's not, it doesn't make a narrative sense to not have him come back. He's too integral and important to an entire right. segment of the story. So yeah, it's, I was like, there's there's no mystery there for me. Right. You know? I know.
0: And I actually read an a, a really good article on I think it was on Nerdist that just simply said Game of Thrones has a Jon Snow problem yeah. and. It basically said, like, okay, well, all of these characters have undergone so much, so much in the past, uh, six seasons, except for Jon Snow. Like, he's gone through so much, but he hasn't fundamentally changed. Like, Arya, Sansa, like, these characters have changed completely since their season one. And sure, um, Jon Snow is, you know, different. He's a bit of a leader, but he's still naive. He's still, kind of noble and it, it, he hasn't really had that much of a change. So it's all to say that there's just a problem with it because basically the uh, what it boiled down to is the show at its outset, the series at its outset was um, making sure or, or made a point to um, skewer the traditional fantasy archetypes and and characters in fantasy storytelling, like the noble re- hero and and things like that. So, like Robb Stark died prematurely, and uh, because you know he was that kind of archetype and everything. So it, it punishes these characters. Yet here we have Jon Snow, who is essentially becoming that archetype. Yeah. And it's just, and I don't know. He's too integral to the plot to obviously kill off for <laughs> more than two episodes at a time. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so I'll link to that in the show notes. It's an interesting read. Um, there was also an interesting article on Nerdist that was, uh, one person's interpretation of what Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones is like based solely on never having seen anything, but based solely on the tweets he's read over the last six years and the headlines he's read. <laughs> That's funny. It's, it's pretty good. He, uh, he says, uh, from what I gather, Westeros is a, is, <laughs> is a kingdom. Or it's a, it's a place that's ruled by 10 year olds and, (laughs) and Tyrion is a wizard who maybe killed one of the, one of the leaders or something. It's, it's pretty funny. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. But anyway. So anyway, all that's to say, we're here to talk season six. (laughs) Yep. And I have a ton of different points to bring up. Um, and I figure the best way to go about reviewing season six or talking out season six is by going through the different plot lines. So we're going to go kind of point by point through all the different story arcs for season six, basically. And we're going to start with Jon Snow and Sansa Stark, their their plot lines as they intertwined and uh, leading up to the Battle of the Bastards against uh, Ramsay Bolton, basically. So tiny, how did you feel about the start of season six at Castle Black with Jon dead in the snow and uh, Davos wanting to bring him back? What did you think of those like first two episodes leading up to the res- the resurrection of Mister Jon Snow? Um,
1: they kind of dragged a bit for me because, and it was it was just leftover fatigue from season five basically I, mm-hmm. I think i was like we need some action here like let's not let's quit dwelling on this and right. drawing this out um but if you look at the the way that the blood flowed through the snow on, mm-hmm. on john snow's body it developed a pattern to tell you that they are bringing him back
0: god damn
1: it <laughs> 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 no, but um, um Jesus. Yeah, the the, mo- the most interesting part of all that was Davos to me because <laughs> he's I never appreciated his character in the books. Um I, I don't think he's the best realized character in the books. I feel like the the Davos we get in this in the show is much better. And really, I, I yeah, I, I'm really not crazy about the books. Um, <laughs> right, but he. He's just one of those, he, he has the ability to lead and take charge and stuff like that, but he's, at the end of the day, he's always a follower. He's always looking for someone to, like, counsel or, mm-hmm. like,
0: be a... Be an advisor to. Be team. an
1: advisor to. That's, he's, he's just a, a lifelong advisor. That's kind of his thing. Right. Um, and, and he, like, excels at it, and I don't know if he has the the wherewithal or the skills to really be, like, you know a John Snow or a Stannis Baratheon type. I think he's, he's just a counselor and he, he works best as a team. Mm. And so like, I think that's why he, why he tried so hard to get Jon back is cause he was the best, the best leader there. And he was, mm. he was the right man for the job and he was aware of what, the red woman is capable of melisandre's capable of so i mean it was sort of intriguing to watch but again the fatigue from season five kind of i was like let's get on with it (laughs) we know he's coming back let's do this
0: right yeah yeah and uh, that's that's really well put about davos and i'm it's funny because I'm, I'm kind of all for Davos. I, I love him in the show and I really connected with him in the books as well. Um, granted, I, I still, to this day, I still have only read maybe 15% of book three and all of book one and two, books one and two. And just the, the Davos chapters in, in, in the books just, I don't know, something about his character. Like he's, he, he's the Onion Knight. He basically was, uh, uh um what's the word i'm looking for a um smuggler smuggler who stannis took his fingers and then he was just you know following Stannis. stannis and it's just i i don't know something about his character really intrigued me in the books and i feel like it's a little underrepresented in the in the show um his like basically what his character is all about like in the show, he's basically relegated to you know, a, like you said, a lifelong advisor, and I mean that works in the context of the show and and what they've done. But I will say that him wanting to revive John because John was basically the only leader at Castle Black and all that stuff. It's yeah, that's that's true. It just doesn't really seem like it was communicated in the show. True, and it was all kind of plot driven and all basically just because the script demanded it. And that was a, that was a little bit bothersome for me, but I was just ready for John to get revived and then be done with all the talk about, Oh my God, did you see John come back? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And that's not like a snobby thing to say. Like, it's not snobby to say, yeah, I know. I saw it coming all last season. It's like, no, it's, it's because the, the, the writing wasn't there for it. Mm -hmm. Like, Hardly at all, and that's that was my biggest complaint about that entire arc. But
1: yeah, none of us yeah. ever talked to anyone who was like, "Nope, he's dead. He's done. Right. He's he's dead. That's it. He's gone. Johnson is dead. Move on." Right. But then exactly. no one ever said that. Yeah. So. Oh yeah.
0: yeah. So anyway, so Melisandra revives him, and she okay. So the end of the first episode is her taking off her neck necklace and showing that she's like. 400 years old and like super old. And, uh, it's communicated that she is having a crisis of faith after Stannis being proven that he's not the, not the chosen one that she's, uh, was so sure of and everything. And then it feels like that, that's just like, she's dropped after that. Like after she resurrects John, it's like, Nope, she's, you know, she's just, you know, discarded a little bit. And then she pops up at the end. We'll talk about that in a bit, but it's like, it just kind of feels like wh- why go so far as to show her to first name the first episode the red woman and then end the episode with showing her in her true form and then not really following up on it with her crisis of of faith or or whatever are they waiting for next season to really dive into that or or what i'm i'm not sure did you have any problems like that tiny or did you you know i really didn't cuz <laughs> i th-
1: i feel like that's kind of the the niche of the show is they we get snippets of these characters at a time and i mean you know you think of the major characters throughout this series and you know like Arya. i think we got uh, of the 10 hours or so we had this season uh we probably get about an hour and a half two hours of Arya.
0: oh we'll talk about Arya.
1: not even that much <laughs> yeah. you know or there was a lot of Jon snow obviously but just mm-hmm. some of the other characters you know Tommen and uh, Cersei, uh, all the other characters, we see them for like an hour. And that's about it for the whole season. So it's like, how much can you really tell in that amount of time? And that's true. It, how far can you go? But yeah, I mean, I see. I, I definitely get What you're saying, mm-hmm. given that the entire episode was titled "The Red Woman," but uh, I, I didn't have an issue with it. I guess.
0: Okay. I mean, I guess it's a minor nitpick, but it was all. It was also just. I don't know, bothersome to me that they didn't seem to follow that up. But anyway, so uh, after Jon's resurrected, he hangs the guys who killed him, basically. And then I don't remember the exact timing of this, but elsewhere in Winterfell, Ramsay Bolton kills his father and his newborn brother. Uh, What did you think of Ramsay in the beginning part of the season? And how did you feel about this turn? Well, it
1: was really a good continuation of, of how awful and evil his character is. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he just will do anything to get what he wants, and he sees everything as a threat, mm-hmm. and so everything is as expendable in his eyes. Um, and there, there's nothing that's too far, obviously, which right. he demonstrated in this. So, uh, I I wasn't surprised by it, but I feel like he he's in he's more in pursuit of, I think season five was a lot about him trying to gain the appreciation and respect of his father because mm. he, you know, he was seen, he was just a bastard. That's all he right. was. Um, and, and once he had that, he realized, I think he kind of realized his own value, I guess a little bit. And he was just like, you know what? I can do a lot more than just be a son or whatever. Right. I'm, I'm a lot more than just the not bastard of this guy. <laughs> uh, and he just, he took that to heart and he's like, it, I, I, I feel that so much that I'm going to kill my dad Mm -hmm. (laughs) and my brother and my stepmother or whatever. And just sure. I'm not surprised. I wasn't surprised by it.
0: Right. And he, he killed his father because the baby was born and it's like, that's a rightful heir for his, for his father. And I, it's, it's kind of weird in a twisted way. It's kind of like, I can kind of see Ramsey's, uh, Ramsey's, uh, logic there. (laughs) Like it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, in a sadistic sort of way which is what the character is. Oh yeah. And it's interesting because this this particular death scene with with him killing Roose Bolton it's it's awesome because this and um I'm jumping ahead a bit but when Arya kills Walder Frey um it, it both of those scenes echo the red wedding in interesting ways like Ramsay stabs Roose like in the side the way that Roose stabbed Rob Stark at the red wedding mm-hmm. and then Arya slits Walder Frey's throat much like, you know, um one of one of the people slit um Catelyn Stark's throat. Right. So I just thought that that callback was uh was pretty enjoyable. Agreed. Yeah. Um so anyway, so following all of that, Sansa returns to Winterfell and for the first time in who knows how long Two Starks, yes, are reunited.
1: Four seasons, roughly. Yes.
0: Yeah. How did you feel about Sansa and John reuniting? It in- was
1: so nice. It was. Right. So, it was so great. And and it, I think it's funny that it's Sansa and John. Mm-hmm. You know, back in, in season one or mm-hmm. early season two, I would have foreseen a much different uh, reunion mm-hmm. amongst members of the family Stark. Mm-hmm. Um, so just I don't know just the fact that it's John and Sansa they seemed so uh, of the members of the Stark family they seemed to have very little interaction right they, when had, they were together
0: yeah they had no interaction in yeah
1: the first season they weren't I mean they weren't close at all clearly yeah. and, and everything so it's like it's just funny that those are the two that end up together <laughs> right finally after all this time oh yeah but it was fitting and mm-hmm. I think it made sense.
0: Oh, yeah. And yeah. I, I enjoyed it so much, and it made me so nervous. <laughs> yeah. Because when you have multiple Starks in one place, bad things happen. Right. And the show has trained me to be very anxious about that. And I'm gonna jump ahead a little bit here, because we're kind of going through it a little slowly. But, um, after that, they receive a threat from Ramsey saying, Ramsey saying that, oh, hey, I, <laughs> he's basically just goading them into coming like it's basically like a um Westeros raven version of like hey come at me bro. Yeah. Um kind of thing or like uh I think people online refer to it as like the first YouTube comment section. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he's basically saying like hey I have um I have Rickon. and if you don't if uh I'm uh, like basically come get him and I'm going to kill you and rape your sister more stuff, stuff like that. Um, so basically a YouTube comment. Yeah. And, uh, so they plan to attack Winterfell. And then this, this part of the season kind of bothered me a little bit because there's a whole thing where Sansa sends a Raven to Littlefinger and doesn't tell John and then John, doesn't have that information going into the Battle of the Bastards, and that you know is very valuable information to have. And the show never communicates why Sansa didn't tell him. And did did this register with you at all as a problem, or did you not? Did it just not register with you, or how did you feel about it?
1: It did, and I I thought it was strong. I thought it was strange. I, I don't understand why. I can understand why she didn't tell him. Maybe maybe there's some mistrust there. Mm-hmm. Like maybe she doesn't even know if she can trust her own brother. Um, that's so I understand yeah. that, but they don't communicate that in the show, which, right? Which was interesting. To, to your point, yeah they, yeah, they don't they don't lay it out, and that's what's kind of weird. Um, I don't know if it's going to lead to some further conflict between those two in mm-hmm. in the next season or two. That might be an interesting thing to see how they get along, um, and, and especially. I don't mean to jump ahead, but, you know, in the finale, when they, when everyone in the North was basically just named Jon Snow King of the North, right. uh, I mean, Sansa seemed to have a bit of a smile on her face, but mm-hmm. then at times she didn't. Yeah, I, th- okay. I think she, you know, she really felt it that Yeah. earlier in this, the episode, Peter Baelish had told her about how she's the future of Winterfell right. and everything, and... Maybe she's not. Now after yeah. this. And it's just kind of, you know, there's, I, I feel some possible sibling rivalry in there. And, right. And maybe not telling John about the Knights of the Vale mm-hmm. was the beginning of that.
0: Right. I agree. And also you have Littlefinger there that is
1: yeah so manipulative. So
0: and, manipulative. And, yeah. and it's, he's already starting to kind of, you know, tear at the seams of Sansa and John. And it seems like right. that's, I hope that they pay that off. Next season, in an interesting way. And it's
1: it's just so crazy that he's. I feel like he's attempting to create a rift between Sansa and John, Mm -hmm. and he doesn't even know why right now. Right. I feel like he just sees an opportunity Mm -hmm. and he takes it, and he's like, it will pay a dividend later on. Right. In some form. He
0: may know why, but I think that's also a fault of the show that we don't know why he knows. Yeah. Like, we don't know what he's thinking and why that's beneficial. At least, like me as a show watcher, I, I don't know what the implication of him getting between Jon Snow and Sansa Stark, the implication of him getting between the two and, and tearing apart Winterfell, their leadership, I don't I don't understand the implications of what that can mean. And I feel like yeah. the show didn't communicate that to me. Right. Um, yeah, so anyway, um, one of the milestone episodes of the season, one of the biggest episodes of the series, basically, yeah. was the, I have to say somewhat lamely titled for me um <laughs> battle of the bastards because like okay this is my and, and this will be really brief and then we'll get into the actual discussion of the episode because there's a lot to talk about with this particular episode and this particular battle scene sequence um so the battle of the bastards is the title of the of the episode and okay that's that's cool whatever but it's like i i kind of feel like that title is more of like a it just seems kind of off by Game of Thrones standards. Like, okay, the the episode where Ned Stark gets beheaded is Baylor. Um, the Battle of Blackwater Bay is just called Blackwater. Um, the Red Wedding is called um, um it's called the Reigns of Castamere. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, like, they had the um, the Battle of of, of um, of Castle Black was called the Watchers on the Wall. Hard Home was called Hard Home like all of these things they have their they have their titles and everything, and then I don't know something about just the Battle of the bastard seems like that's something that I feel like fans of the show would talk about it like colloquially like, give it that title, and it would be, and it would have something more, with more substance and subtext as a, an official title for the show, if that makes any sense.
1: Oh, I, I totally get what you're saying. It, it mm-hmm. is out of character for the show. Um, yeah. And it is, it is maybe it is cheap or whatever, but, like, mm-hmm. I, maybe it's just the, like, maybe it's just, like, an attempt from HBO or the showrunners to basically just... Embrace the popularity and the culture of the show, and just be like people come up with these goofy names, uh, like the uh, uh, the Battle of the Mountain and the um the, the, the Mountain Viper, and the Viper, the Mountain and the Viper, yeah. Which
0: like, that episode was called the Mountain and the Viper, yeah. yeah but so
1: I mean, the people just come up, with, you know, the Red Wedding. They come up with these mm-hmm. terms, and like they're never officially sanctioned or anything, and it's right. not. It's just it's it's just fun, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I, I I can see them just basically. Being like, let's just call it the Battle of the Bastards because that's what it is. And let, mm-hmm. like, let's just embrace this. Let's embrace the popular culture of our show and just call it the Battle of the Bastards. And yeah. maybe it is pandering to fans or it's mm-hmm. a cheap that's, move. Yeah. I I, I would... Yeah, I'm, I'm in your boat. I'm on your mm-hmm. team. I'd rather would have had them choose a different title. Right. But I... I think maybe that's what they were thinking. And yeah, and- I don't really care that much.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's totally fair.
1: Cause people would call it the battle of bastards anyway.
0: Yeah. It's, it's just, I, it makes me feel uneasy that we've come off of season five is, was, was kind of shakily written. And there are elements of season six that there's, a, there's a lot to it that I, it just wasn't, it didn't have that crisp Game of Thrones writing that the past, four seasons had before seasons 5 and 6 and i've i've said before that i think part of that is because they don't they're past the books now so they don't have that blueprint
2: mm-hmm.
0: to, from which to go to go off of and granted i haven't read i haven't read most of the books but i have to believe that the writing is so strong because they have that planned out or they have it mapped out and not that they, not that they go chapter by chapter for each book, but they, they have an outline. They know how to work it out and everything. They have published material to work off of and adapt. And now they don't. And it's just kind of like, I don't know, just something about naming it, the battle of the Bastards seems just lacking so much subtext that it could have had. Um, and then that just b- bothers me, but enough, enough talking about the title. Let's talk about the, the actual episode, Yeah. because regardless of, they could have named it, they could have named it, um, HBO's HBO, GOT S3 F9, and it still would have been incredible. Like presented would, by Samsung, presented by Samsung, <laughs> they could have named it something, they could have named it anything else. <laughs> And it would have just still blown me away because my yeah. god, that scene, that that sequence, that battle was just amazing. Um,
1: yeah, well, in the lead up yeah. to it as well. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, when he basically plays a fucking game of chicken with right. Rickon in a in a arrow. Yes, that was that was really that, disturbing.
0: Oh yeah, and that was like
1: hashtag Bob and Weave, bro. <laughs>
0: right. And so many people were so upset or angry that Rickon didn't yeah. uh, zigzag or anything, and mm-hmm. it's there was a lot of comments about that like um in response to that saying that well you got to think about it he left winterfell and was on the run and all that stuff um since the time he was like a tiny kid yeah it's like maybe no one taught him that maybe and also adrenaline like he yeah like you know he was prisoner in his own home he sees his family for the first time it's like maybe it's the farthest thing from his mind is zigzagging. Right, right. Um, he just wants to get there, and it's yeah, I totally understand. I think that's a kind of a weak argument, but yeah. um, against it. But the filmmaking of this sequence of this of the actual battle was. Mm-hmm freaking cinematic beautiful and intense and it bums me out so much that the director of the last two episodes i can't remember his name um but they announced the they announced the list of directors that are going to be on season seven that Mm -hmm. are going to be working on season seven and he's not in it right which is a bummer but oh my god that's uh, that battle was amazing um so, yeah, what did you think of the actual Battle of the Bastards?
1: I was. I, everything you said, the cinematic aspects of it are just so mm-hmm. impressive. I mean, when you think about a lot of other kind of ancient battle based movies, big cinematic movies, like mm-hmm. Braveheart, for example, you know, there's three or four big battle scenes in Braveheart, and this was comparable, if not exceeds, any one of those. Mm hmm. And that's, this is one episode of a TV show that has 67 episodes. Something like that. They're up to at this point. Yeah. Uh, at that point, they were 50. That was the 59th episode. Right. But, but still, like, I'm just saying they have, yeah, yeah. you know, they've got 50, 60 hours worth of right. show and they, this is just one of the hours. Like, that's just incredible. Oh, yeah. What they commit mm-hmm. to a single battle throughout the, this entire story. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's impressive and, I mean, it's just—I'm so glad that HBO has this kind of commitment to a show like this. Right? They're not—they don't—they don't cut their corners. Mm-hmm. They don't cut any corners on this show, and it's—it's yeah. it's great how well, committed they are to it.
0: Right? Totally. Uh, they in, do in cut, the aspect yeah. of
1: the grandeur of battle.
0: Yeah. Well, they—they they cut corners with like not showing the dragons as much and yeah. kind of disregarding the direwolves completely, pretty yeah, much. Pretty much yeah. Um, and they do cut corners, but like when they when they when they pull out the stop, when they pull. They pull out all the stops for the big moments like right, this. And right. that was incredibly impressive. And something I had, like an experience I had while watching Battle of the Bastards was it, it was almost, it was almost a negative experience. Like it almost gave <laughs> me, it like stressed me out to watch this episode. Oh yeah. Just, even from the start, I'm thinking like, okay, this is the ninth episode of the season. They've been building up this huge battle that's going to happen. They've talked about like i've I've seen headlines about how like, oh, this is the biggest battle we've ever filmed, and it's a monumental moment and all that um and so the entire time I'm watching it, I'm thinking like i'm like i'm I'm terrified, I'm absolutely frightened and terrified about what's gonna happen to these characters and what's going to happen and it's it was such a weird and and emotionally almost negative feeling that it's like it was almost to the point where i was like can i can i actually handle handle the stress of watching this these these things happen and and i don't know maybe that's more of a reflection on me because this aired at a certain time that uh was kind of difficult for me in general and also it was at the end of popcorn too so i was exhausted as well mm-hmm. <laughs> so i was like am i emotionally prepared for this <laughs> and it's like it it was just oh my god it was just so so incredible and so well done, basically. And yeah. And uh, how did you feel? Let's see. Uh, jump ahead a little bit. How did you feel about... Well, no, no, no. I'll, I'll hold that back for a little bit and just say that I loved seeing the Starks in some capacity win Yeah. <laughs> for a change. And it's funny that I say that because the version of the starks winning is one of them getting killed by an arrow yeah. in front of their family the other one running into running into battle like basically resigning himself to dying at yeah. the trap of this psychopath and getting tons of people killed but taking including one giant and taking back their home castle and sacrificing or showing their at least Sansa showing her changed psyche by feeding Ramsay to his own dogs. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> it's like the version of the Starks winning in Game of Thrones is so morbid and crazy. Um but it felt so good to see the banners on in in Winterfell in the show. It was Yeah, I did. It, it was a unique episode and really incredibly well done. Yeah. What did you think of Ramsay's demise?
1: uh i i don't know i thought it was a little um i think it was out of character for sansa i I mean but you know she has to change and evolve somehow and Mm -hmm. if that's the direction they want to take her i don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing given that she's she's kind of the heir of the stark name um at least as far as anyone knows so i don't know i i would have much preferred that scenario to present itself where she could have just let the dogs, the hounds Mm -hmm. just maul him and maybe she just puts an arrow through him and lets him die Mm -hmm. at least somewhat dignified. I think that would have been more in line with the Stark way, if you will. But at the end of the day, can I really blame her? Right. I mean, the guy had it coming. Yeah,
0: he really (laughs) did. And part of me feels like maybe that was more fan service than anything. Like, okay, well we have this monster that. You know, maybe we can kill him in in a in a monster way, but it's also like, yeah, the Starks are the Starks, and they're winning. It's like, you know, Ned Stark. One of his big things in the first episode was the person who. Um, what was the phrasing? I just watched this episode recently. Uh, the uh, person who uh, gives a sentence swings the sword or whatever. Oh right, right. Yeah, and it's like it would been it would have been. Granted, if there the goal is to show the emotional growth and and emotional uh, uneasiness of Sansa by having her do a really um, d- defeating him or or murder killing him, having him killed in a very very Ramsey Bolton way, literally, um, instead of you know carrying on her her father's ways of you know having having him executed publicly and and like the old ways but it's also reflective of a different time and a different a different world that they're in now right and it is a good uh, measurement of growth of the character um so anyway so yeah battle of the bastards was amazing despite the title of the episode mm-hmm. um anything more about that or should we move on let we move on okay um, so following, uh, following that after they're back at, at Winterfell, Davos, Davos, finds out about Melisandre burning, uh, Shireen at the stake and tells John who then ex- basically tells the red woman like, Hey, uh, get out of here. We don't want you in Winterfell. If you come near here again, I'll have you executed or whatever. GTFO. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, how'd you feel about this, this, Thing in the in the finale, uh, in the
1: finale. I you know I had really forgotten that uh, Davos did not know that Shireen was burned at the stake. Like, mm-hmm. I forgot about that. I I thought he knew, and I don't know. I kind of forgot about it. It was right. sort of. It, it was such a pivotal moment of season five, and it was a part of season five that I, I, I liked, which is such a horrible mm-hmm. thing to say because right. a child was murdered. <laughs> um, but it was just so shocking, and just mm-hmm. it was so. In line with the way things were going, it, mm-hmm. it made narrative sense to use right. that phrase again. Um, and it, it was shocking and wild and mm-hmm. disturbing, and it, it held my attention. Um, right. So, t- to dwell on one of the good things of season five or to call attention to it, I thought it was okay, or it, it was something that I think Davos needed to feel the weight of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, it made sense that he reacted the way he did. and it it was good for his character so i'm glad they i'm glad they included it and and i'm glad that john reacted the way he did mm-hmm. I, I i don't think he i get the feeling that he doesn't really want to kill people anymore <laughs> right he's he he was never a violent person or a,
2: mm-hmm.
1: a vengeful person but he you know he understands that violence has its place but he just i don't think he likes to use it all the time and and, and i'm glad he reacted the way he did and just basically banished her
0: right yeah. and
1: i i have a feeling she's going to come back at some point too oh yeah totally yeah yeah
0: um i want to just say that uh i think it's liam cunningham who plays davos freaking amazing scene it when really, he yeah. confronts her and talks Absolutely. to john just my god that was amazing and i was i was, I was really worried for davos's safety <laughs> like this shows how little i know about plotting out this series basically and how much I don't know about the way I can't um, pretend to know which way they're going to go with the plot except for when they kill John. So I was under the impression I, I was seriously thinking that Davos was going to find out about Shireen. And then since they, sh- since they put so much emphasis on how cool Davos is and they, they made his, his, all of his scenes were like golden in the, in the season. I was so certain that she, he was going to confront Melisandre and then she was going to like murder him right there or whatever for whatever reason um, behind John's back or something. And just so that he wouldn't, so that, so that Davos wouldn't like reveal that she, you know, doesn't know what the hell she's talking about or that she was wrong before uh, to conserve her, you know, advisory role within uh john's camp Mm -hmm. but i'm so glad that that didn't happen and i hope that davos survives forever me too yeah totally (laughs) and uh final thought for you know the north um, plot line is just real quick leanna mormont total badass
1: yeah and people love her yeah she's she's entertaining as hell to watch yeah i hope she has a lot more scenes
0: me too me too and just so just so awesome yeah so great and i loved the scene where she you know champions john and has him named king in the north yeah um hashtag real talk so good so good Mm -hmm. so anyway uh so that was a lot a lot yeah about john snow and you know the north and all that so let's go a little bit farther north even Mm -hmm. uh bran his uh he came back bran and hodor and mira and the three-eyed raven after taking a season off yeah uh they came back and holy crap (laughs) yeah yeah uh so let's just run down what all happened basically so the three-eyed raven played by max von uh, siddow i think they actually recast him from the actor who we saw last time he was on on the show Mm -hmm. in the season four finale i guess um so uh, and I love Max Max von Sadal, right. just so great. Yeah. Um, and throughout the season, I liked that they used Bran, seeing visions of the past, basically, courtesy of the Three Eyed Raven, and learning about all the history. Basically, we
1: love our flashbacks.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Seriously.
1: <laughs> Hashtag lost.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because I'll talk about that in a bit (laughs) but um so i liked i liked that aspect of it and i liked seeing the history of it and then of course some of the big points that he he learns is well the one really major point is that he learned that the children of the forest created the white walkers to destroy men and that's where i mean yeah that's an that's a very interesting reveal but it's like it's also like i'm kind of burnt out on the whole global warming kind of allegory thing and i don't know if this is a direct thing it is but i mean it's pretty clear like we you know man's destroying you know nature or the world basically so they created something to to destroy men which could be construed as you know global warming is going to destroy everything so i don't know
1: i never made that connection before you didn't okay no. uh
0: people on the internet have articulated it better than i did but okay anyway regardless that was an interesting reveal and i liked it um then, of course, um, <laughs> this, uh, then, you know, uh, is, is it called the Night King? Yeah. I've, yeah, the Night King. I named it. I said night, not night. Um, right. Yeah. So anyway, then, of course, uh, Bran f***s everything up, <laughs> and he lets the Night King touch him, um, and that gives them access to where they're hiding out, All and right. in one fell swoop in the episode, the door, which is one of the stronger episodes of the season. And mm. one of the more, um, excited episodes that everyone talked about. Um, in one fell swoop, brand got, you know, the three eyed Wave- Raven killed. He got his dire wolf killed. He got Hodor killed. Yeah. He, he, he is responsible for the incident in the past that made Hodor a simpleton and right. only capable of saying Hodor.
1: Yeah.
0: What, um, <laughs> What? How did you feel about that reveal? the The end of the door, the episode, the door where Hodor is holding the door, and Mir is telling him hold the door, and Willis in the past is saying hold the door until he's finally saying Hodor.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's about damn time because uh, <laughs> Brand's been this this whiny little whiny little prick for seasons and now. He has, right. and he, he doesn't realize he doesn't realize how powerful he is and, and what consequences the, that power can have. And, you know, he, he's going around being all willy-nilly with his three-eyed raven power or whatever, I don't know. <laughs> uh, and, you know, he the Night King touches him in his dream and then they can find out where he is and all these people die as a result of it. And it finally wakes him up to the, pa- to the fact that he's incredibly powerful and he needs to be careful with it and he needs mm-hmm. to do something with it and just quit being a whiny little prick. And so... Okay. I was, I was glad that it happened. I was sad that all those people died, especially mm-hmm. Hodor. Yeah. Um, uh, friend of the show, Christian friend of Aaron. the show. Yes. There's <laughs> a picture on our Facebook page of, yes. uh, me being a large person looking very small <laughs> next to Christian Nairn. Right. um, yeah. So I was sad that all that happened, but again, I keep, I guess this is going to be a common thing throughout, uh, our game of Thrones. um, episodes but to, to reuse phrases, but it makes narrative sense to have those mm-hmm. characters die and for his character to finally wake up to how powerful he is and it, it it needed to happen. Right. And I think he's gonna play a huge role in the what I can assume is the eventual battle between men and the walkers. Mm-hmm. I think he's gonna be a big part of that. And
0: did you hear any of the crazy theories about Brian? No.
1: There are some Well, I heard one where someone was thinking that Max von Sidow was just him as an old man, right? And he like traveled yeah. through time or something like that. And I was like, that'd be kind of cool, but that, yeah. But I don't know if that's the case.
0: No, I yeah, that's well, that's one of the theories. But the one that I was kind of like, you know what, this could actually be pretty pretty cool, mm-hmm. is um is that this was after this was a I think a couple episodes or this was pretty much during that episode or before it when um when they're at the Tower of Joy, so they're seeing young um um Ned Stark. Outside the Tower Tower of Joy, taking down Arthur Dane and about to go in and see the big reveal. Um and when he says dad, Bran says dad and he turns back, uh there was a there was a ton of theories that saying that like what if what if Bran what if Bran is responsible for everything that's happened? <laughs> and that what if he what if he went back and he is like, say, this this was one that I was like, this could be kind of cool, is what if Bran went back and he, like, was, uh, I think it's called warging, basically, or he was having the vision or whatever, of back when King Ares was on the Iron Throne. And if you remember in the mythology of the show is that uh, Ares went mad and he um, basically had wildfire stored all throughout King's Landing under the Sept and all that, which is going to play into the finale when we get to that um, point in the in the episode in a year, um, <laughs> and uh, so. But one of the things when when Jamie, I think when Jamie's telling uh, Brienne in season three about what happened when he you know killed when he killed Aerys was that um, Ares was saying he just kept saying burn them all, burn them all, burn them all, and like what if what if Bran, what if Bran goes back. And say like say like the White Walkers are coming or whatever and and all that. So he tries to warn them by telling telling Ares to burn them all. <laughs> right. And that causes Ares to go mad. Jeez. And then there was a lot more about different like Brandon Brandon starts in history. Like Bran the Builder, who I think he built the built the wall or something like that. Like what if Bran is all of these things? Yeah. And like there's actually like kind of some book evidence to somewhat support it but i don't know but anyway um hold the door um yeah that moment was it was really well done yeah it was and it was really strong and it was really effective it was great great reveal great plot elements great everything and something about it just i in the back of my head i was like I don't know if this is a fair comparison at all, but it just made me think of lost mm. and how like there is basically, I mean, it's basically a time loop kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And of course, anytime this kind of thing happens in any kind of pop culture thing, everyone picks it apart saying like, well, okay, how can, I don't know if they really did it with this, but like, how can he do this? And like, how, like, how does, how do, how does time travel work? And like, in my head, I'm like, it. I don't know, for some reason it always makes sense to me. But anyway, um, like this is the sort of thing that lost did um at least once I'm thinking of one specific episode I'm not going to say what it is but there's like a s- simple like a time loop thing and I'm all I kept thinking was yeah I, I I don't know I just I've I've seen that type of story element before and I it kind of didn't make me resent Game of Thrones at all but it made me think like it's not really something like new that happened or whatever. And I don't, I don't know if I'm making sense or if I'm being snobby or or whatever, but it just kind of made me think like, okay, this was a really good element. This is a really good plot development. This was a really good episode, good acting, good everything. Also, I mean, I like the way that lost handled time travel. Um, (laughs) It's just, I don't know. It just, I don't know. It didn't bother me, but I don't know. So, yeah. Okay. Okay, anyway, um, so after that, uh, Bran finds Benjamin Stark, and how do you feel about Benjamin Stark's return as whatever uh, he is? A little convenient. <laughs> uh,
1: a little convenient, uh, yeah. but, you know, I, I think it's part of part of Bran's journey, mm-hmm. and it was good that he was there, ultimately, yeah. but whatever.
0: He is, like, partially a White Walker or whatever? Something. Yeah. I don't know. I liked the... And this was another thing. Um, I liked that he can't. He said that he can't go past the wall. He mm-hmm. can't go south. He can't go south of the wall, um, because there's magic or something.
1: I don't know. I never understood that. Okay, I I, I get, get the
0: sense that he. I think he may have directly said like, "There's magic protecting the wall from the White Walkers and everything." Right. And there's like a big theory, and it's pretty clear that this is probably what's going to happen. That since Bran was touched by the Night King, the second Bran goes through the wall, it's gonna let the White Walkers come in oh. and invade all of you know Wester- West, uh, Westeros, um, which would be so, just so Bran, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because uh. yeah. So anyway, so so that's about it for Bran. Although, what did you think of the reveal of? john's parentage
1: that was really awesome i mm-hmm. mean all they revealed was half of john's parentage technically
0: technically but it's not te- i think i
1: think hbo kind of fumbled the ball they released they released something and basically just like yeah it's, they it's did it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah yeah but
0: they also i mean it's it's like like there's no there's no like even if they didn't do that there's no way it wouldn't be because she says like robert would have him killed Robert would okay. kill him, and like I mean, there's there's a really good um, um, video on YouTube of uh, basically every every instance of the show from the first season on to the finale of, or, or I think it was up up to season five. All the evidence that shows that Rhaegar is is John's father, and it's like it's really it's really intriguing and everything. But yeah, and this is you know. Not to nitpick or anything like that, but this is something that, like, obviously it's been a huge, huge theory for all the book readers and everything for years. I, <laughs> this is one of the things about the third episode of the podcast where we talked about season three, where like, I, this is when I first heard about it because I was reading threads and everything and I heard about that theory and like, I was hesitant to even bring it up on that podcast because I didn't want to, because it was so like, oh wow, that, yeah, that's so, that's gotta be it. That's 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 gotta be it. That's I don't. That has to be what they're building toward and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't even want to bring it up because I didn't want it to be a spoiler. And then it's like everyone, everyone who has any modicum of knowledge about the books, has to know about this theory: the R plus L equals J mm-hmm. theory. And uh, the thing that I kind of come back to is the theory has been enduring for decades basically. Um, since, since the books started coming out, people have been theorizing about it. And is it, I wonder in the books, is it as kind of, uh, a no brainer as it kind of seems to be?
1: I don't know. Okay. It's not something I ever picked up on. I, okay. I never looked into it very much. Right. Um, but it, now that I look back, it does make some sense. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the fact that, you know, Liana says something about, you know, she doesn't she doesn't want Robert Baratheon to know because right. she'd have him killed. Mm-hmm. It makes sense because I remember in the first season, you know, he sent assassins to kill Daenerys. Yeah. And, and she was all the way across the narrow sea and was oh just yeah. a kid. You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. And there's even a scene like in the first or second episode where Robert Baratheon says... <laughs> um Every Targaryen should be killed, <laughs> right? Right, and it's I don't know. And they've built up this whole mystery of you know um, Ned when he left when he left uh, Winterfell to go to King's Landing, and and at the time John was leaving to go to the Night's Watch. They have a scene where it's like I'll tell, like um, John says, "I um, do you is my mother still alive? Does she even know what I am doing or where I am going?" And then Ned says, "Like I'll tell you all about." your mother the next time we talk and obviously mm-hmm. you know you can't talk when your head is disembodied from right your body um and then it's also kind of funny because i think in the third or fourth episode also um uh, john talks to Benjamin, and Benjamin's like we'll talk more when i get back and it's like it's <laughs> like before he leaves on the thing that he never comes back from right um but anyway um <laughs> so it just seems like they've, they've built up this this um mystery surrounding it, it just seems like like at least in the first book and i'm talking about book readers and and show watchers and everything in the first book there's like ned has like dreams and memories of Liana telling him like saying promise me and stuff about the tower of joy and like all that's like you know if you can you can kind of infer what you know the true thing is but i understand that having it actually confirmed on the show is a huge deal for the mythology and for the story and everything and yeah but i don't know it just not
1: being a fan of the books it it was it was a big deal to me okay yeah Yeah. nice it it kind of blew my mind like i knew i I don't know
0: when you saw it in the show and everything cool okay i was just expecting it
1: because i i hadn't heard of the theory i hadn't heard of r plus l equals j theory
0: okay you had (laughs) <laughs> i have in season three uh, well i didn't i didn't uh, you didn't remember it wasn't
1: here to the i didn't i didn't hear it to the point that i committed it to memory right, and right. really yeah
0: yeah you don't listen to me when i talk on the podcast I no, I okay don't. that's fine
1: <laughs> what
0: oh i see what you did there. hey so anyway yeah um so yeah that's bran you know he's still doing his thing he's the three-eyed raven now. touch the
1: tree at the end or whatever right
0: <laughs> yeah he did i don't know I, I'm,
1: I'm bored with that storyline really I love okay. it for the most part yeah i mean I, I, it came to a, an interesting head at this season mm-hmm. um and like i said he's i think he's finally done being a whiny pussy and he's actually gonna do something <laughs> right. um so that's good mm-hmm. but,
0: yeah. yeah i can totally see that and speaking of boring yes plot lines aria man yeah aria and bravos she was my
1: favorite character. She, and I remember For Four that. seasons. I and, was like, she's awesome. Oh,
0: yeah. And yeah. I remember, I think at the end of, again, I haven't listened to this in a long time, but at the end of season, of the episode three of the podcast, when we reviewed season three, like, we talked about, like, where, where do we want to see the show go? Mm-hmm. And we were both, like, wildly inaccurate, I'm sure. But, um, like I remember specifically you saying like I want I want Arya to go train with Jack and Agar, mm-hmm. Jack and Agar, and I want her to just go and kill a bunch of people and be an assassin, yes, and all that. And, um, <laughs> two seasons, and it's yeah. like I'm like done with this. I know, and I'm so glad that she decided to go home. So basically, she starts out the season blind. Um as punishment for taking a life that wasn't hers to take. I'm looking at your notes. That's uh, yeah. funny. <laughs> right. <laughs> so these are my notes for basically her thing. It's like Arya blind as punishment for taking life that wasn't hers to take gets beat up outside, gets beat up indoors, <laughs> gets assigned to kill an actress, watches the watches plays, <laughs> doesn't kill the actress, and then the waif tries to kill Arya, Arya kills the waif, Arya decides to go home, Arya kills Walter Frey. Hashtag free Pie. Yeah. And it's like, that is all you really need to know about her plotline. Yeah. And that is so disappointing because she got to Bravos and she got to, um, what is it, the House of Black and White?
1: Something like that. Something
0: like that. Like in season five. And it's just, again, she's just been, like you said, Tiny, she's been toiling. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a long road to get to literally nowhere. Yeah, because she is back to like she just she did the same thing to Walder Frey that she did in season five that caused her to lose her eyes, lose her eyesight for again a couple episodes, Mm -hmm. which annoyed me because it's like that was one of the reasons why I didn't one of the things I didn't like about season five's finale is that it's like okay yeah okay um, Sansa and Theon jump off uh, a wall in Winterfell, uh, Jon's dead and Arya lost her eyesight. It's like. None of those things were adequately built up, or or they didn't have the cliffhanger aspect of it that I think that for me that the show intended them to. So agreed. Yeah, um, I did like the plays though. Yeah, I thought that, that was really interesting and a good bit of comic relief and an interesting view into how the world of of the Seven Kingdoms view the things that have happened. Yes, in their society,
1: and and it was a good conduit, if you will, for. The return of Arya Stark because mm-hmm. she, I mean, she was she was just gone for the past two seasons. She was just walking with uh, the Hound, yeah, and then she was doing her thing in the mm-hmm. House of Black and White, and she's like this doesn't feel like Arya Stark. No. It doesn't feel like her at all. She's a little whippersnapper. She's, like she's mm-hmm. a she's a badass and right. she she makes shit happen. But now she's just taking shit. like you said, yeah. she basically gets her ass kicked for half exactly, the season. and it's just like this just doesn't feel right to the character and despite all that crap I don't like mm-hmm. it, it was an interesting way to watch her look at these plays and that was mm-hmm. her that was her conduit back to her true self I think and that right. was that was an interesting way to to, to, to get there uh, it yeah. just took way too damn long
0: totally and yeah. the all the stuff with the waif who was the girl that was training her or kicking her ass or whatever could not have given less it was me her. neither. And yeah. the even when, and again, there's a cliffhanger where she gets stabbed. And I'm like, okay, if they're going to kill off Arya Stark, they're not going to kill her off bleeding at the end of an episode. Yeah. So it's like there was no suspense there. Mm-hmm. And then she magically gets better enough to be chased by the waif in this weird terminator <laughs> kind of thing that did not work for me at all. Yeah. It was like, it was like they did not direct the actress who played the waif, they did not direct her to do... It's like, hey, be, be Arnold Schwarzenegger and be a Terminator and just do that. Have the same dickish look on your face the yeah. whole time. It's, and ugh. it's like, that was just not... That was such a low point in the season for it, me. It was, yeah. Um, however, so, Walter Frey in the finale, her like, Arya's one scene in the finale yeah. was pretty big. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: and, and for me, personally, I was just like... It was amazing to see my theory and my what I want <laughs> for the character to happen come to fruition. Right. I was like, it's about damn time. Right. And I that was yeah, that was awesome.
0: The the way that she with the disguise says like when he's saying like where are my sons where are my sons and then she's like my lord they're here. Yeah. It's just like oh my god, like the way she says it is so dead. Yeah. And it's like. Uh, it's it's a funny contrast between Arya and Sansa in the finale or in the, Sansa in, in the Bas- Battle of the Bastards and Arya in um, the Winds of Winter that Arya has this look of glee as she slits yeah. Walder Frey's throat. Um, kind of similar to how Sansa, you know, smiles when when uh, Ramsay gets killed. Mm-hmm. It's just such an interesting way that, you know, the two Stark girls are kind of. A little
1: crazy. Yeah, it's a little disconcerting, and Mm -hmm. I'm kind of stealing this thread from uh, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff, Mm -hmm. two showrunners, Um, because after every episode... They have a little rundown thing at the right. end, and at the end of the finale, Winds of Winter, they—I don't remember which of them said it—but they were like, "I'm a little worried about Arya because right. the, the way, how much pleasure she took in that mm-hmm. was a little disturbing. The way she looked down and smiled totally. while this man died mm-hmm. uh, from her hand—that's, right. you know, she's. I mean, she has the right to take that revenge, and like, I wanted her to do that, mm-hmm. but it's just her reaction to it. Yeah, I don't know. I, I want, I want her to be a little more pure right i want it to happen and i don't want her to enjoy it that much yeah. uh
0: and it's funny you're saying that like the look of glee that she has when she slits his throat and everything it's also like she also baked her uh, his son yeah that, and yes. forced him to eat them yeah that's, <laughs> it's like holy crap that's i mean that's like that's like next level stuff <laughs> that is very disturbing yeah there was a really funny comment thread about um like what would it what would what's it going to be like when aria reunites with john and sansa and it's like well <laughs> how have you have you been and it's like well you know i died um oh i, I cooked people yeah it's like uh like john saying like oh i died uh sansa saying oh i was raped on my wedding night and then aria <laughs> saying like oh i cooked walder frey's sons and fed it to him before <laughs> i smiled at him as i slit his throat <laughs> jesus it's like and then you know
1: uh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, that's a bit much.
0: Oh yeah. So anyway, uh, so that's Arya's thing. There doesn't need to be more time spent on yeah. that because that was just such a waste. I hope that it. I hope that we didn't endure that so that she doesn't have an interesting plot thread yeah. for the rest of the run because I think they they owe it to us to yes. have her do something interesting. Yes, they do. And I hope that her killing Frey is a good indicator for some. Uh, good character stuff for her. Some come up comeuppance, right? Yes. Oh yeah. Again, uh, the Starks winning a little bit there, um, which yeah. is great and terrifying. <laughs> um. Okay, so I'm going to kind of talk about the Marine and Danny plot lines now, and we can kind of run through. Oh my god. Good god. We can run through these kind of quickly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. So Danny and the Dothraki. She goes she gets captured by the Dothraki, goes through again all of these things. She eventually kills the calls and burns down their little temple place and then that's when she gets her Dothraki army and it's like she also kind of had a Dothraki army or she had she was in this position in season 2. Right. And it's just like such a retread of that and it was so bothersome to me. Yeah. And but it was yeah. pretty
1: awesome to watch her burn down the temple and kill the calls. The that she was, did. Cool. that was cool.
0: That was cool. Uh, and then she told uh, Jorah that it, she commanded Jorah to find a cure for grayscale. <laughs> right. Which I thought, okay, that's that doesn't make sense. Whatever. That, yeah. Like it, it felt like I don't know. It felt like they were just trying to write off Jorah because the grayscale was getting worse and i i, I feel like they they wrote him into a corner basically yeah they the and it's in the corner yeah yeah and ugh, i don't know um yeah so then kind of the bigger parts in the the latter half of the season is that she negotiates with Theon and Yara which i'll get to in a bit um well we can actually just briefly run through Theon and Yara's storyline they their uncle killed their dad yeah then he became King of the Iron Islands and you know wanted to have them murdered. They stole some ships and went to Marine or wherever to um, negotiate a treaty or or to side with Danny basically right all while you're on. Greyjoy is making, I think, like a thousand ships or something. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's he had an the interesting. You have
1: the same idea, basically. Right, right. Yeah,
0: and it's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Although the introduction of Euron Greyjoy, killing Balon, and becoming king of the Island, all that stuff, it seems like I wish that they would have done more with the Iron Islands in the in the seasons in the intermittent yeah. seasons because, like, I I just remember reading in season two or in book two when. Um, Theon goes back to, uh, uh, the Iron Islands and he goes back home. There's really good, um, character stuff about him going home. And I think that's also translated pretty well in the, se- in season two. And then, we don't see much of anything, and then suddenly we have this guy who murders Theon Grey- Greyjoy. It's his brother, and he's like he has his own agenda, and it's like it's kind of overload for a new character for me.
1: Yeah, and that's actually that's this this is the point where I gave up in the books, really, because they entered introduce Euron Greyjoy, and I'm like, mm-hmm. really, someone new in the Iron Islands? Iron Islands? I just don't give a shit about. Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm done with, this, with these books. I just right. I don't care. There's there's too much going on. Mm-hmm. I, George R. R. Martin doesn't know what he's doing with all mm-hmm. these characters. He's trying to juggle too much at once. I'm done with these books. Yeah, uh, and I had I had a similar reaction to the introduction of Euron in the show. I was like, mm-hmm. they could have left this out. They could have just had, uh, they could have just had, jeez, um, uh, Theon and Yara just decide. Let's just go to Marine and team up with Daenerys, mm-hmm. and that could have been our introduction to that. Or the way into that, as opposed to them fleeing their uncle, their murderous right. uncle, and I was like, they could have just left it out and streamlined the whole thing.
0: I will, I will say that a you're onto something there, yeah. um, but b I do think I do like that that there is this uh, apparently thousands ships that he is making. I don't know when the time frame on that is going to be. Yeah, but I like that there's something against. Danny, because at the at the finale, and I'm jumping ahead just a little bit. In the finale, it's like you know, Danny has everything, and she's get, like, it's like, I don't see how that's a fair thing. So all of Westeros, yeah, she's yeah.
1: going up against all of Westeros.
0: That was, you know, well, yeah, that's true. But all of Westeros and like King's Landing, you know, the new queen just blew up the sept, and
1: I know, but you have yeah. still got all, you've got the North, you've got Dorne, mm-hmm. you've got casterly rock king's landing
0: dorn is siding with danny did you catch that
1: well yeah at the end i realized that but like you. i don't know we just didn't really know that. As i don't know at the time that
0: euron was making yeah okay sure yeah i don't know i just i don't know whatever yeah anyway <laughs> um so anyway yeah but i totally see what you're saying that they could have you know next to that yeah um because it did seem rushed, but I don't know. I do like that. They're siding with Danny and that they're involved with that. I guess, um, the scene in the finale where Danny names Tyrion hand of the queen was really good. Yeah. I loved it so much. And, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens. Like Tyrion's with Danny and they're going to presumably King's Landing to wage war with you know Queen Cersei now, I'm wondering what's going to happen when those those characters and those dynamics come together, and I'm just I'm just so so looking forward to it. And we probably could have saved all that for the finale talk, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but having said that, the um, it was also really nice to see Danny finally finally sailing for Westeros finally, um, with so many so many things ready um but so in
1: your notes it yeah. says danny finally sails for westeros with dorn ships she was on dorn ships
0: she has dorn ships because because uh because um elena uh tyrell um she met with what met with a uh, 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 laria sand um and then that's when varys came and was uh-huh. like hey we need you know come join our team uh, okay. and then that's when they they backed it and everything
1: i didn't see i didn't realize that they had actually like made the deal and she was oh, okay. on dornish ships i didn't realize yeah. that she has some like she has a whole fleet of stuff yeah i know so, she has yeah. other stuff
0: yeah she has yeah so she has dorn ships she has the gray joy ships that uh theon and yara had yeah, she has okay. the dragons she has the dothraki army she has the um unsullied unsullied yeah she's she's good to go okay yeah see i didn't realize that okay interesting okay. yeah it's it I guess it wasn't really that well communicated in the yeah in the in the finale, but um, to kind of kind of jump back just a little bit, um, Tyrion dealing with marine while um, Danny is away on her Dothraki vacation, <laughs> it uh, that dragged and it did. i was yeah. so over that. Me too, and I felt like the humor that they were trying to do with um. Uh, what's what's it called? Um, the with uh with uh gray worm and um uh, Yeah, that yeah. just was like, oh my god, stop! Just, yeah, it just was stop. It was bad. Yeah. Ugh. So yeah, we already talked about Theon and Yara. The dorn stuff. Who cares? Yeah. Um, Alaria <laughs> murders the the prince or king or whoever he is. And right. Yeah. It's it was a mess. I yeah. But let's talk about the Hound, though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so he came back. He popped back up. Yeah. Um, I I liked seeing Ian McShane in an episode. Yeah, me too. That was really cool. Mm. And uh, I I kind of wish that they would have done more with the Hound. I'm sure that they'll, he'll come back and they were just kind of setting him up to where he'll be in seasons to come or in episodes to come. Um, but, man, I... It's funny, and it, I didn't realize how much I missed that character. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. What did you think of his return? He's just so blunt.
1: He, like mm-hmm. he, he's so bluntly spoken, and like he just, he just, he's the opposite of a lot of the other characters. He just acts. Yeah, yeah. like things. Ju- he just acts and deals with the repercussions later. Like so. He that's why he's such a great character, and he's so interesting. And uh, anytime he's on screen, I'm I'm happy. Right. Um, so I, I was glad to have him back, but at the same time, it's kind of like, where is it, where is his puzzle piece gonna fit like right. well, i i was just kind of i was almost i almost would have rather not had him in this season and then just have him actually fit into the puzzle in and then right. in, in another season because he just it was kind of just like biding their time with mm-hmm. the character um i didn't i didn't dislike it i, I thought it was yeah. watching his inner ter- inner turmoil about mm-hmm. what where he was where he fit in the world and all that was interesting, and I mm-hmm. think it influenced his character in a positive way. But, uh, yeah. but it, it was a bit, um, a bit out of place.
0: Sure, I totally agree, yeah. and uh, I'll I'll touch on that later when we talk about Cersei's stuff. So okay. uh, we'll we'll shelve that for now. Uh, for now, but uh, mm-hmm. Jamie Lannister and the phrase, um, Jamie Lannister. First, uh, I, I liked the contrast between like he starts the season coming back to king's landing with his dead daughter and giving the news to um cersei that the do- that their daughter's dead yeah and then he ends the season to jump ahead to the finale he returns to king's landing to find the you know it burning and his son dead <laughs> yeah and it's it's just i love that contrast of it and we'll talk more about his uh scene at the end there but it's like
1: every time he comes back to King's Landing, he loses another child.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just I like that. I yeah, yeah, and I, I like that he. It's kind of the inverse, uh, of the of the beginning and end of the season for him. So he comes back with with a dead daughter to give the news to Cersei. Whereas in the end, he comes back, finds his dead son, and Cersei burning everything. All right. Uh, but anyway, we'll get to that in a bit. But um, at the kind of the beginning of. Um uh, the beginning of the season there's more of the conflict between the high sparrow and um the crown basically. Mm-hmm. And that's where the the idea of the sparrows kind of clicked with me finally after a, a whole season of yeah. just not really making much sense. It's that I it's like it's it's like this religious thing this this ideology is basically undermining the crown. And it's like throughout the entire season, I was thinking like, how are they, how is this going to be resolved? Yeah. Because it's such an infectious thing. And they had like the high sparrow has, has like, has basically taken over ruling the entire kingdom and everything. It's just, it was a really good, finally a really interesting and engaging um, plot device for me. And a political
1: one at that. Oh yeah, which totally. was interesting. Yeah, we don't mm-hmm. we don't necessarily get a lot of politics and right. Game of Thrones. It's it's mostly swords. Right. So yeah, right. It, it was it was interesting.
0: It was definitely interesting. Oh yeah, and, and I'm a big
1: I've always been a big fan of Jonathan Pryce. Mm-hmm. He's a great oh, actor. Yeah. Great actor. Uh, <laughs> he was so good. Yeah, he was awesome.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, so yeah, so Jamie tries to kind of take down the High Sparrow with the Tyrell army, and they have this whole plan and everything tommen (laughs) yep yeah uh i i like that i like that marjorie had this whole other plan that she was doing yeah like she clearly had some agenda to get loris back and um and then that involved taking you know tommen like i don't know if she was implicit in in convincing tommen but um basically they they you know brainwashed tommen to to follow their lead and everything. Mm-hmm. And that was just, that was an interesting dynamic and everything. Um, so after all that, to go back to Jamie, he's sent to the Riverlands to win back. What is it? What is the, what is the uh, castle where the Tully's are? That Blackfish had? Oh. Um, somewhere in the Riverlands. I don't know. I it, don't it has remember. a name. Yeah. I can't remember. But anyway, um, that's where Jamie, I think, did really well um, for me. Yeah. Because you got him interacting with Bronn, which is always fun. Oh, it is. Yeah. The one good thing about the Dorn stuff last season was, or in season five was him interacting with Bronn. Yeah. Um, and then also Edmure Edmure Tully, Tully coming back. Uh, huh. um, and then of course, Jamie interacting with Bran as well. Just really good stuff. And then they, he wins the castle back for the, for the phrase. And that scene with him and Walder Frey, how did you feel about that? And in, in the, in the, uh, in the finale there, I thought it was just magnificent.
1: I thought it was too, because mm. I think, you know, everyone kind of used the phrase as this like, a, as, as a, a fringe, mm-hmm. like, like a fringe house or something. Okay. And like they're like, they're and disgusting. They're weird. And, yeah. They're weird yeah. and gross and they kind of lucked into controlling this mm-hmm. bridge or whatever and winning this house, if you will, or the, right. the castle that they have. And it's just like, they're below all of us. And mm-hmm. then, Walder Frey just goes and points out all the similarities between yes. himself and Jamie Lannister, and Jamie Lannister's like, No, I'm a Lannister, I'm awesome and you're mm-hmm. and like, I don't know what you're right. talking about. And he just comes to that realization and it was Yeah, it was the it look, was it was potent. Yeah. The tension was potent. The
0: look on Jamie's face when Frey's like, a couple of Kingslayers here, but yeah. they can say all they want, but we don't care. It's like like you can see how much it's affecting Jamie and how yeah. just you know seething with anger he is and resentment mm-hmm. on the Im- resentment toward the implication of that he and Frey are anywhere near being equal like right. i i loved that that shot of of Jamie's face it was just amazing mm-hmm. um so i'm we're going to talk more about Jamie coming back um a little bit later but i'm going to jump ahead to cersei her whole storyline this this season um so to go – okay, so she's been awaiting trial. She worries about Tommen and and all this stuff. Um, so throughout the season, there's constant references to there being trial by combat. Yeah. And Tiny, have you heard anything about Clegane Bowl? No. Okay, so it's apparently this theory that had been going on for a long time with, with the books and everything, with book readers and everything, that – that Cersei was going to have was going to have trial by combat and that she was going to she since she has the mountain she he was going to be her her uh, uh uh champion and then they were going to have uh the hound come and it was finally going to be brother versus brother mm-hmm. and all that so the 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 fans of the show or the fans of the books and every and all everyone has nicknamed it Clagane bowl <laughs> And what I loved, what what I kind of loved about the Hound coming back for those two episodes is that <laughs> it felt like the writers were just, were just f***ing with everyone. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, it's so funny to me because it's like, oh, hey, here's the Hound. He's back. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, there's going to be a trial by combat. And then finally it's like, oh, nope, no trial by combat. It's right. barbaric. And like, and I like that. I like that a lot because we've had so many Trials by Combat throughout the series run. It's like, if they did it again, I would not be invested in it. Right. And to kind of go back further to the Battle of the Bastards thing, if there were a Bowl, naming the episode Clegane Bowl would have been the same as naming Battle of the Bastards, Battle <laughs> of the Bastards, and that would have bothered me also, like, if they did that. Like, yeah. that's, that's I don't know, it just it bugs me. So, anyway... So, the entire season, I'm wondering, like, how's Cersei going to, you know, win, basically? How's yeah. she going to do this? Because, like, she is, she's a very complex character. She's a very despicable character. She's, she's a lot of things. Yeah. But at the end of season five, with the whole shame, the walk of shame thing, like, I was in the position where I felt for her as a character yeah, and I wanted to see her get her, like, like get her, get her just desserts. Yeah. Um, especially because I didn't care at all about the sparrows or anything. Right. Um, and wanting that and then seeing, seeing like the, the, uh, the fist of the sparrows like tighten around the throats of the, the throat of the crown, basically just i did not know what was going to happen so this is a long way of saying what did you think of the first 20 minutes of the finale (laughs) because my god
1: that was very i was it was just incredibly well done the way it builds and everything Mm -hmm. and yeah it it was so it was just so like subtle the -hmm. way they they got to the point where Decept blows up and everything right. like just you know everyone's getting prepared for the big day right. they show everyone getting dressed and everything it's just like I don't know it was it was just built built to very well and, and I, I enjoyed the way they they did it um, it was cool how Cersei just like says nothing right through the whole time she just sits back and watches drinking mm-hmm. her wine like she does so well um, right. yeah it was it was great and I didn't necessarily know that that was gonna happen I was I was wondering how it was gonna get handled mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I was I was wondering what was gonna happen and yep. uh it was pretty nuts.
0: Yeah. And the fact that it happened in the first like fifteen, twenty minutes of the finale and wasn't dragged out or yeah. anything just was amazing. And mm-hmm. I love the music in that scene in that sequence. Yeah. I might use it in this episode. But I, I absolutely loved that everything about that sequence. And then in my notes I also have Tom and Takes King's Landing literally. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I thought that that was shot incredibly well and really really well done. And I mean just oh god that whole sequence was amazing. Yeah. And then to end the season with Cersei being crowned queen and she, it's it's such an interesting thing because she has so many people against her and yeah. she It's it's so and that look that to kind of bring it back to Jamie's storyline to the look that he gives to Cersei. This is something that I didn't put together until I read online, like everyone's reactions and everything. But it's incredible that Jamie left King's Landing and then came back to find not only his son dead, but his sister, who he loves, did the thing that he killed aries targaryen to prevent him doing right blowing up everyone with wildfire wow and it's just it's such a powerful moment the way that he looks at cersei and the implications of that it's like it's oh my god i like there's a pretty clear there's a pretty clear like narrative thing that could happen with this like is jamie going to have to kill his sister Because she is the Mad Queen, or whatever, Mm -hmm. Um, is that something that could possibly happen? And I mean, obviously, I hope that you know they you know dress that up a little bit if they go that route. But I just think that that would be like this. This finale holds so much uh, potential for the last couple seasons of the show. Agreed. Yeah,
1: yeah. I didn't even think of that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't really think of it either. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but really, really tiny. We've gone this entire episode without referencing the most important thing of the entire season. Sam went home with Gilly. <laughs> he did. <laughs> yeah. And uh yeah, he steals his dad's sword and then had, got a boner when he walked into the library. Yeah. Um, the library was pretty freaking. Oh my somewhere. god, it was really cool. Yeah. And apparently I, I need to rewatch it because I didn't notice this, but the like spherical thing mm-hmm. in in the ceiling is like the thing in the opening credits that's oh i didn't notice that that's interesting i didn't notice it either i need to go back and watch it but um and rewatch it but yeah i thought that that was uh that's a pretty cool piece of uh, trivia i guess yeah um so yeah um i mean is there anything i mean we've kind of gone through the whole list and everything we really did yeah um how long is this record oh well it's not too bad um yeah so yeah, is there anything I'm forgetting in all of
1: this? Uh, I don't think you forgot anything. <laughs>
0: okay, anything else we need to touch on? Like like anything more about the implications of Cersei's uh, reign by conquest, basically? Um, just the, I think the fact that she has the least
1: amount of friends she's ever had, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, she has the Maester guy. I can't remember what his name is.
0: Um. Oh, Oh. Uh, Maester Kyburn.
1: There you go, yeah. yeah. And Jaime. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it. Those are her, right. like, well, in the mountain, but the he mountain. doesn't
0: really, I mean... Right. Uh, yeah. He's a little busy with the nun, which, man, that scene... That was creepy. Yeah, super creepy yeah. when she's pouring the wine. Um, I've seen people online refer to it as wine boarding. it's <laughs> um, <laughs> funny. It's just, oh, my God. And it it goes to show her craziness, I guess, or, or, or her... Um, her you know
1: she's just so vindictive
0: vindictive yeah yeah like her sadistic side and then she's like she's like remember when i said that uh you'd be the last face i'd be the last face you see before you die yeah and then like she goes on her the whole thing like i'm ready to die i'm ready to meet the things and just the way that cersei's just like oh you're not gonna die today (laughs) and then she's like oh hey the mountain yeah and it's just oh my god Yeah. yeah um so yeah, it's it was an interesting season. <laughs> it was a great season. Yeah, what did you think of the season overall? I thought
1: again, great. It mm-hmm. was a great season. I, I complete one eighty from mm-hmm. season five. Uh, they really needed that. Th- yeah. I'm glad they did that because the show was just not good in season five. Right. Um, and, and I hope it's indicative of things to come. I th- I think mm-hmm. you know, they only have, you know, pe- most people are saying 15 episodes right left of the whole series. Yeah, I think they're going to use their time wisely, mm-hmm. and, and we're going to get. Everything's going to come to fruition. All all the theories, and you know, so, of course, some of them won't be true. But you know, all, right. all the things that people suspect, I think we're going to get answers for them. Mm-hmm. And I think, I I, th- I think they're done with the toil. I'll put it that yeah. way. I uh, hope so. Yeah, yeah, I hope we're. It's going to just be action and progress from from mm-hmm. this point forward, and it's it's just going to be epic.
0: I, I agree. And it, like that finale, like even in, even like episodes leading up to the end of the season, basically, I was si- sitting there thinking like, okay, the show has a finite amount of episodes left. And they clearly have like, they, they clearly don't have that many episodes left. They're going toward the ending. And I was really concerned because the entire series has been building up the, they're referring to the wars to come. I mean, there's Danny invading Westeros. There's the there's the White Walkers, presume, presumably coming in and being a massive, massive fight mm-hmm. for you know everything. Um, and I was thinking, how can they wrap that up in in two seasons? Yeah, in two shortened seasons. And that's I don't know. That would be. I don't know. That's. I
1: think they can do it satisfactorily or exceedingly in, in 15 hours.
0: Me too. After, well, that's, that's actually the, the whole thing I was, uh, getting to. I got a little sidetracked. Um, when I watched the finale, it was kind of like, I felt like, okay, I have a little bit of egg on my face mm. because they, I mean, if they follow this, if they follow what they've set up and they actually go into the end game of the series, they could be, it could be incredible. Like, and it could very much like, I mean, this is, this is super simplistic and very vague and again, super simplistic and everything, but it could be as simple as season seven being Danny invading that whole battle and everything. And then season eight, last handful of episodes, how many, uh, the last batch of episodes be white walkers invade end of the series. Yeah, or whatever. Um, there's going to be a lot more than that, right, obviously, right. but it would just be interesting.
1: I think. Uh, I think the next 15 episodes have the potential. Every episode has the potential to be like Battle of the Bastards or Winds of Winter, mm-hmm. have that kind of cultural impact. Right. Or, you know the way the way that we all got on the internet or mm-hmm. it in person talked about those episodes. Right. I think every single episode has the potential to be that. Right. That exciting.
0: And it's amazing that you like. You name those, and those are both directed by the guy who's not going to be directing in season seven. But But I
1: totally see what you're saying. Right. I I think that's a moot point. Not moot, Uh, but it's it's a. I'm not too concerned about that.
0: Right, right. I agree. So, um, so yeah, so my overall thoughts for the season were it was, like Tiny said, a big, big, uh, bounce back from season six. Um, Still struggled in some places, um, still had some issues, some minor issues throughout it. But in the end, I thought that it was much stronger than season five. And it gave me, it renewed my hope that it could end, uh, that the show could end in a satisfactory manner here in the next 15 or however many episodes we have left over the next two seasons. Um, So, yeah, so that's our review of season six. Um, I'm going to kind of close out this episode with, uh, oh, I wanted to ask you if there were any standout like performers or people that you would want to be Emmy considered. The only thing I can really think of is Liam Cunningham. I don't think he would get any Emmy consideration. But yeah. Just, I mean, that scene alone in the finale it was really well done.
1: Um, yeah. I, I don't know about as far as acting, but obviously technical awards abound yes. for for uh, Battle of the Bastards.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, just, oh God, the way that it was filmed and yeah. just how it's saving Private Ryan in Game of Thrones. Yeah. So well done. So well done. Um Much like Walder Frey's pie, it was very well done. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, so I'm going to – we're, we're going to kind of wind down this episode with uh some listener con- contributions to – um I kind of threw out a tweet about uh, asking people what they thought of uh, the season as a whole and the finale and what they thought of it and everything. So I'm going to just, just kind of read the, some of the responses I got. And, uh, yeah, um, and you're gonna listen to him. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, our friend Jenny said, uh, the finale wrapped everything up except Gen- Gendry. Right. Who is was the, uh, bastard son of Robert Baratheon from like season two. Yeah. Um, and I, I responded to her and said that I imagine that Gendry, Gendry? Gendry is, uh, is just chilling somewhere with Dora. <laughs> and, uh, they're just yeah. hanging out. Um, and then at John D one seven Oh three from Midwest film nerds, uh, podcast said that this was in response to me saying that, uh, the grief that I had over the season, um, or of the, of the idea of them not being able to wrap it up, um, the grief I had, or no, 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 I'm sorry. The grievances I had with the season in the episodes before the finale, um, aside, the season finale was still spectacular and incredible and made for a really good season. So John D one seven Oh three from Midwest film Nerds podcast said, I think the grief still stands. Can't tread water for, for eight episodes and then have two good, good episodes and call the season great, which is a very good point. And I'm kind of curious how I'm going to feel about the season overall after lavishing praise upon it. This, uh, this podcast, I'm curious how it's going to be when I eventually go back to rewatch it. And, uh, and uh, see how I feel about it.
1: Yeah, I guess he has he has a bit of a point there. Yeah,
0: which is exactly what I said last last year when we did our season five <laughs> review, and I still haven't rewatched season five, so <laughs> I'll get to it eventually. So uh, our friend Alex uh, replied with "Best season so far. Lady Mormont is my hero," <laughs> and I agree.
1: Yeah,
0: and then at. S4YA podcast, which is, uh, submitted for your approval, uh, a podcast about the Twilight Zone, which I will be a guest on, um, next week, talking about season one, episode 26, I think, of the Twilight Zone, uh, called Execution. Um, I'm really excited, uh, to be on that podcast and you can check it out. I'll link to it, um, on Facebook and Twitter and everything next week when it goes live. Uh, but anyway, uh, S4YA underscore podcast on Twitter. Uh, that's Brandon Cruz said, I dug it. Had enough book reader sp- specific and novice moments. Here's to two more great but shortened seasons. Hashtag winter is here. Yes, which we didn't actually talk about the fact that winter is literally all yeah. like actually officially there. Right. But anyway, um, finally, uh, not finally, but second to lastly, um, at Paul Elliott underscore three one six, who has um, a website and and Twitter and everything for um, this this Seinfeld uh, polling project that he has called Seinfeld Madness. You can find it at Seinfeld Madness dot wordpress.com or at Seinfeld madness on Twitter. He has a lot of polls about um, uh, Seinfeld as a whole, like what season premiere had the best, what, what season premiere was the best, what, what long running character arc was, was the best, like going head to head with it. It's, it's a really fun project for uh, him and I recommend everyone check it out and give him a follow at Seinfeld podcast. Uh, sorry, Seinfeld madness. Uh, anyway, uh, Paul says one of my top seasons of TV of all time, the best season finale in show history setting up for a great last two seasons which is very high praise and uh and warranted I mean you know yeah. I, I don't know if I would say top seasons of TV of all time for me personally yeah but I can totally see how someone could could reach that conclusion finale yes yes oh yeah
1: finale was on point
0: first tw- best first 20 minutes of a finale of all time for me yeah potentially right um yeah and then finally as we're recording and I feel horrible about this <laughs> Um, listener, listener to the show, uh, Matt at, at men Draco, uh, said, uh, after, after talking about, after I tweeted about the Game of Thrones season six bonus review that we're recording right now, he said, I should start this season sometime before I get to your episode. Last year I had it spoiled listening in the shower, <laughs> <laughs> which... Oh, man. I
1: am so sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we do get lots of spoiler warnings, though.
0: We do, and I'm kind of curious what the uh, situation was there. Um, I'll tweet him about it and find out. I, I think out. he told me
1: about it. I think he started it okay. just thinking we were kind of talking about Game of Thrones a little bit, and then he got in the shower, and, like, you know, you can't. He would have had to jump out and dry off, and he just he was like, screw right. it. I'll just listen to it, and so it got spoiled. So I just like one.
0: the fact that people listen to us while they're showering. Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: awesome. <laughs> it's so hot. I mean, um, uh, that's cool yeah totally.
0: um <laughs> yeah uh anyway <laughs> so yeah um yeah i apologize for that and uh thank you for listening yeah. to it. <laughs> um yeah so cool um i think that about does it for this episode then yeah um yeah is there anything else We should uh oh, we had that um (laughs) we had that. maybe I'll cut this from the episode where we had that um iTunes review contest and everything. Oh yeah. That as of this recording ends in an hour and forty five minutes. We (laughs) still hadn't had any like real like submissions or anything. Really? Yeah, but then friend of the show, Tony at Indiana Geeking uh sent In Under the Wire but just left a review on iTunes. When it shows up it'll be under Tokorai, because I fail at branding, <laughs> <laughs> which is awesome. So, you know, by default, I think he will get the uh, gift card. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. So, okay. Uh, that's our episode discussing season six of Game of Thrones in very, very much detail <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh so let's see we've uh also had our independence day resurgence review go up uh should have gone up earlier this week if you're listening to this on day of release and then next week tiny do you have any idea what we're gonna discuss I
1: do not know if.
0: me neither i looked at the upcoming like releases and stuff but i mean A
1: podcast has no name
0: <sighs> podcast, A podcast has no has topic,
1: no topic. Yeah.
0: anyway um, we'll figure that out and uh, you'll know when it hits the uh, feed and yeah so thanks for listening guys and oh also go to Uh we're having an event in the Irvington area October 14th 2016 at the Irving Theater it's going to be a blast We it's our third year doing it it's a benefit for the Irvington Historical Society in which we screen short horror films from local filmmakers uh, have giveaways raffles prizes at the door and uh, just a lot of fun interviews with the filmmakers after each screening on stage in front of the audience uh, uh, Q&A stuff like that so it's going to be a blast more information at ShocktoberNirmington.com which is also where you can find the Facebook event page link so if you're not in the area but you know people that are in the area go to that and invite them to it because it's going to be a blast so yeah okay Tiny are you ready to close this out let's okay I said that like we have a, a pre. Right. right but, uh, and thanks, guys. <laughs> thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> All right.
2: Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer. Presented by ObsessiveViewer You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast app. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is an eclipse of events and is provided by Loudlike from their EP Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at Facebook.com slash loudlike music. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can email the hosts individually at Matt, Tiny, or Mike at obsessiveviewer.com or send an email to the podcast in general at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Check out the Obsessive Viewer blog at obsessiveviewer.com where we post movie and TV reviews and the occasional editorial about the business of entertainment. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash viewer and follow us on Twitter at obsessiveviewer, at Obsessive, Viewer, at obsessive Tiny, and at I am Mike White. If you want more obsessive content in your life, check out our sister site, ObsessiveBookNerd.com, for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the podcatcher of your choice. Again, thank you so much for listening. We love you. Be excellent to each other.